0: Welcome to Hollywood Remix, a Hollywood Reporter podcast about culture shifts and entertainment. I'm Rebecca Sun. And I'm Rebecca Ford. And Rebecca Ford is getting over a very nasty award season-induced virus, so don't adjust your sets. That actually is the real Rebecca Ford. She just lost her voice a few days ago. Yes, apologies for this. <laughs> Each episode, we do a deep dive into a single topic, a type of character or a type of story that has traditionally been underrepresented or misrepresented in
2: pop culture. So for today's topic, we're going to be talking about diversity in sci-fi, but actually more specifically, race in space. It goes, race in space. So um, we'll take a look back at how space set film and TV projects have or have not included actors of color, why there's been a lack of representation and sort of the patterns we've seen when it comes to this. And then we'll sit down and talk with John Boyega about his work in the Star Wars franchise and, of course, his upcoming film, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, out December 20th. When we were doing research for this, I found a study from 2014 that looked at the top 100 sci-fi movies and found that only 8% had a protagonist of color. And six of them were Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, TV is also just as bad. Only 5% of lead roles belong to people of color. So back in 2014, you know, things were not great.
0: Yeah, and that was only half a decade ago. Yeah. At the same year, there was um, an essay in The Atlantic written by Nora Brolatsky, which I thought was really useful as a framing for this discussion. It's titled, Star Wars and the Four Ways Science Fiction Handles
2: Race. And so we wanted to run through those four ways really quickly. You know, I think the first one that was really interesting was when it's used as a metaphor.
0: Exactly. So sci-fi and fantasy in general has often been used as a vehicle for allegories. One of the topics that fascinates, you know, real life human, modern day humans is race. And so there are a lot of sci-fi stories that are basically metaphors for tolerance and diversity. You've seen that since the original Star Trek series in the 1960s, all the way to X-Men, where any time, you know, the story explores oppressed and oppressed group of people usually it's an op- oppressed group of aliens you know I think that the creators usually think for some reason empathizing towards aliens is a little bit easier or less touchy than asking pe- audiences to empathize towards black people or towards the Jews or other things like that that have been explored and things like x-men now sometimes it can be taken to kind of a Ham-handed extreme, as we saw in the relatively recent Netflix feature *Bright*, which was um, kind of taking place in modern-day LA. Again, a Will Smith vehicle, (laughs) but um, you know, this was a society in which you know humans come, you know, in every race that they come in, but there was a lot of police violence against orcs. Mm -hmm. And it also involves Max Landis writing a line for Will Smith (laughs) that is, fairy lives don't matter. Um, Yikes. (laughs) I just wanted to point out Chance the Rapper had a really interesting tweet in response to watching Bright, and I thought it was worth mentioning. He said, I always feel a little cheated when I see allegorical racism in movies, because that racism usually stems from human emotion or tolerance— but not by law or systems the way it is in real life. Mm -hmm. So in other words, a lot of these metaphors sort of, they're kind of about like, oh, it can be all resolved with understanding without actually going into these systemic inequalities that contribute to racism in real life.
2: Mm -hmm. So the second way that this essay pointed out uh, that sci-fi handles race was um, as tokens or supporting characters within a story.
0: Yeah, and that's your standard sort of kind of what, Hollywood tends to do um, with Mm -hmm. any sort of film and TV where you have a pretty diverse ensemble, but your lead is still white. One example is when you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, a Mm -hmm. franchise that I really love, you know, that franchise stars such people as, you know, such actors of color as Zoe Saldana, Dave Batista, Palm Clementif. Now, coincidentally, they're all kind of obscured under lots of Special effects makeup, but the lead, you know, the human is still Chris Pratt, you know, sort of your, you know, your white guy Chris. (laughs) Now, the other type of way in which uh, race is sort of included or people of color are included as tokens is sometimes it goes into caricature. And so if you go all the way back into the, you know, the old timey comic book series Flash Gordon, there was that villain Ming the Merciless who is technically an alien. He's the tyrant of a planet called Mongo. But, I mean, Ming the Merciless is just your straight-up Fu Mm -hmm. Manchu-type caricature that, you know, harkens back to our first episode of this podcast when we're talking about the Asian-leading man. Star Wars also actually has been accused of a number of racist caricatures in the way that they... have portrayed some of the aliens. You know, Jar Jar Binks, who was, you know, widely loathed in yep. the prequel trilogy. Some people said that the way he talked was basically caricaturizing certain types of uh, African-American vernacular. There's the a- alien character Ninnub who if you look at him i mean he also looks kind of oriental <laughs> watto you know a greedy merchant sand people you can if you're not familiar you can kind of google and and see a lot of written what's written about those caricatures there now if people are saying oh you're reading too much into it you know this is that's a real stretch i mean star wars aliens are not exactly subtle i mean you have admiral akbar And the way he looks. And he's literally a race known as Mon Calamari. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So just saying.
2: And so another way that we see race approached in sci-fi is in these sort of alternate universes where it's like race doesn't exist anymore.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that's where you you have racial inclusion, but you you live in this sort of like post-racial utopia where... Race is just not a factor in the future or in outer space or whatever. A lot of times, this is, this is where race, racial inclusion, is really, really subtle. The essay cited um, the works of Ursula K. Le Guin, who, in her Earthsea fantasy series. She actually, in the descriptions of her protagonists, they were supposed to be people of color. But because it's so subtle, Hollywood had no problem sort of just automatically whitewashing those leads when when it came to adapting those projects. Now, this happened in modern day, you know, uh, franchises like The Hunger Games. People who read the book will know that Katniss Everdeen is described as a young woman with, you know, she's a brunette, obviously, but she has olive skin, but, you you know, again, she's played by Jennifer Lawrence yep. in the Hollywood
2: version. And the fourth and final way we see race approach in Seva is the direct way, where it is actually a part of the story. And Son, I think Hunger Games actually has something to do with that as well as an example. Exactly. So in
0: the Hunger Games, you know, the characters are all divided up into districts. And District 11, which is where Rue comes from, Is like districts that are predominantly black in real life, subject to more policing, you know, policies that lead to more severe poverty and things like that. Another example is Octavia Butler, the great African American sci fi fantasy author, in her novel Dawn. The protagonist is a black woman and she is just as much questioned about her leadership abilities, um, you know, sort of there's assumptions made about her choice of romantic partners because she's a black woman. And and that basically mirrors the experiences of, of real life black women. Um, it should be said that Dawn is finally getting a Hollywood adaptation by Ava DuVernay and Victoria Mahoney, the first black director of Star Wars. That is a great
2: combo. I can't wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, that essay came out in 2014, along with that study, but I can say I feel like there's been a lot of progress since then, thanks in part to Peak TV and also the revamping of beloved franchises like Star Trek and Star Wars. So I think we should take a closer look at the Star Trek and Star Wars franchises.
0: Exactly. I mean, these are basically the the two pillars of sci-fi in Hollywood. So let's start with Star Trek. You know, the original series, all the way back in the 60s, already had racial inclusion baked into the OG ensemble. You had Uhura, played by Nichelle Nichols, a black woman as part of the main crew, and you also had Sulu, mm-hmm. George Takei, an Asian-American man. And they paved the way for racial inclusion on future Starship crews. You know, you had LeVar Burton as LaForge, as well as a number of supporting characters in every single Star Trek series since the original. And that also meant that when it was time to remake the original crew, uh, the Enterprise crew in the movies, you had, you know, actors of color like Zoe Saldana and John Cho be able to canonically step into those character roles. So there wasn't a complaint about, you know, why did you race-bend these characters? They were Black and Asian, from the beginning. I think it's also worth mentioning that the 90s series Deep Space Nine saw the first black lead of a Star Trek series in Avery Brooks playing Commander Ben Sisko. Mm -hmm. Going on with more Star Trek, there is a little bit of a, I don't know if I should, if we should do half credit for Khan, you know, one of the most iconic villains in the franchise. Khan is played by, was originally played by Ricardo Montalban, and then in the Kelvin timeline in the J.J. movies, spoiler alert, (laughs) also played by Benedict Cumberbatch, (laughs) but then the character is like South Asian, so I don't know, that's a half
2: credit. Half credit, yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Fast (laughs) forward all the way to today where the current uh, Star Trek series Discovery has a black woman as the protagonist. That's Staniqueal Martin Greens, Michael Burnham. The show is incredibly inclusive and also features Michelle Yeoh, the great Michelle Yeoh as, you know, sort of the first Asian woman we've seen on screen as a Star Trek captain.
2: Mm-hmm. So, when we look at the Star Wars franchise, you know, when it comes to the original films, Lando Calrissian played by Billy D Williams was sort of the first significant character of color in the franchise and then later on Samuel L Jackson played a Jedi council member Mace Windu in the prequel trilogy and those were two, sort of the two major yeah the, uh, the
0: two main one mm-hmm. in one in each trilogy yes you
2: get one from yeah. trilogy <laughs> But luckily, the new franchise, I think, is is much improved in that front.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, also in the trilogy, you had James Earl Jones heard but not oh, seen yes. as as Darth Vader, and I don't and and obviously, Darth Anakin Skywalker is um, is a white character, right. so. You know, that's that's just James Earl Jones and his amazing deep voice
2: yeah. there. So when it comes to the new franchise, there's a lot of uh, actors of color in, you know, main roles. Of course, Daisy Ridley is the primary lead, but, you know, she's surrounded by Oscar Isaac, Kelly Marie Tran, and now in this latest film, a newcomer, Naomi Aki, who has a major role in it. And then, of course, more recent standalone films, you have... In Rogue One, Diego Luna, Riz Ahmed, Donnie Yen, and Jing Wen. And in Solo, of course, Donald Glover and Tandy Newton. So there's been a lot of great characters brought into the franchise. But there's also been some challenging voices on Twitter and the internet uh, speaking out against both Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega dealt with that uh, when they were first brought onto the franchise. Exactly.
0: I mean, it definitely, I think it was compounded for Kelly being a woman of color, mm-hmm. and it actually caused her to shut down her social media presence, which definitely was a real shame because I thought she brought such a refreshing candor to the experience of going from somebody who was not publicly known into the limelight, and she was really real online. Um, but yeah, there there's still been so much resistance to what people perceive as sort of oh why are you shoehorning in all these people of color Mm -hmm. but as you can see people of color have existed in both of these franchises going back to the 60s and 70s and also it's outer space right so (laughs) i don't know why only white people (laughs) were allowed to breathe that oxygen that non-oxygen um but actually i have another question for you ford yes which is this has sort of also been debated and I've seen this a little bit in some of the talk around the rise of Skywalker which at the point of at the time of this taping some people have now seen which is do you feel that these new characters of color are being used in an inclusive way in Star Wars or sort of as tokens because you know when the characters for the Force Awakens were first announced. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, and Oscar Isaac, yep. sort of as a trio. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that two out of three movies in, it's clear that Daisy Ridley's Ray is the lead, yeah. and and Finn and Poe are are sort of a little bit more supporting. And, you know, you saw that, too, with Rogue One. I mean, Rogue One was a fantastic ensemble and very, very, very diverse. Mm-hmm. But the, the lead is still a white female, was, right. was Felicity Jones, So, um, as Jen Erso. So I don't know, like, you know, how is it using its characters of color um, sort of equitably?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, there were a lot of, storytelling issues with this new franchise in general but switching between directors and and you know that's been discussed at length so th- I think the question is how much of these decisions were just storytelling issues in general and how much was really this issue that you're talking about and I I don't I you know I wish we could see more from Kelly Marie Tran's character or even John Boyega's character you mm-hmm. know a lot of people wanted to know more about his backstory and and things like that and you know I I hear that there are the potential ideas for spin-offs on, based on the characters of color in this in this last one. so you know I'm optimistic for the future of this franchise and I think maybe it's ready for a, a movie that really stars an actor of color in the lead role you know
0: yeah and uh, and John talks very, very candidly to us uh, coming up about how he feels that Finn, who again is a as an ex storm trooper who defects mm-hmm. to the rebellion was used both
2: in the last Jedi and in the movie coming up So... Up next, we'll sit down with John Boyega to talk about everything Star Wars. So for today's episode, we're so excited to welcome John Boyega. You'll next see him in Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we're going to start off. Obviously, you've done a lot of different projects over your career, but there's definitely a through line of sci-fi, you know, from Attack the Block to Pacific Rim and, of course, Star Wars. What is it about the genre that you enjoy being a part of?
1: Um, which I just think I, I like the, the imagination element to it all. I like the stories that are larger than life. In terms of my movie going experience, I like going to the movies, specifically to watch movies that bring me out of the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just something that I've, it's just, as a kid, I've, I've always wanted to be. the movies that I enjoyed watching and a a lot of that is is sci-fi. So Mm -hmm. this just felt natural.
0: Makes sense. And you mentioned, you know, as a kid and you grew up in South London and your parents are both Nigerian immigrants. Tell us a little about what the pop culture stories, so this could be anything from movies and TV shows to like anime or anything that you really loved as a kid and what was it about those specific worlds that you felt drawn to?
1: I mean, for me, I I loved it when uh, more... British films were being made, and where the aliens were landing in our country, mm-hmm. <laughs> going past the states, <laughs> coming over to, to our place. So I, I loved like Hoffer's Short of Dead. You know, uh, you know, I, I liked you know Kid hood, It was more much more grounded projects. For me, that's the first time that I really started to notice film when I saw people from like my area, like my city, represented in in, in features. But before then it's like we you know, we get the same things that they get in the States. So you know, we grew up in the sister sisters, Keenan and Kells with that so ravens, all those shows and you know, Americanized in that sense, but you know, to see that, that through line of 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 British films come through it was definitely something that sparked my my mm-hmm. yeah.
0: yeah. Well attack the block must have been your perfect breakout that because they just come to the neighborhood and <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you were training as an actor, were there types of projects you really dreamed about being a part of or kinds that you felt you realistically could be a part of?
1: When you... of everything, 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 everything. We... Like I didn't know the world was political until I left training, hmm. that there were right. certain roles you couldn't do and right. all this bullcrap, like... The world would now categorise us into okay, you can only play this part, or what was that one role that you'd be like? I would play everything because I was inspired by so many different types of of, of movies, yeah. um, and I just think your your talent and your versatility for an actor that's your currency, that's your money. You can spend it as long as you got it. Yeah. <laughs> as long as you got it, you can spend it. You know, on different roles. You know, it depends on how much you can. Transform for it. Uh, so for me, I've always been curious about so many different stories. I just think the one genre I cannot crack is horror.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, I just don't get it, man. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't get how how do you make like to make a good horror movie? Is it's not no 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 joke. And comedies too, is hard too. But yeah. I think with horrors for me specifically, like that's always been a, the one genre where I've been like. Mm.
0: I interesting huh do you do you watch horror or
1: not too tough yeah yeah I yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And, you know yeah. Got a bunch of friends over and i'm like yeah you know what let's watch some horror films <laughs> you know, to scare each other then yeah but then
0: i mean so you mentioned that you know once you actually got out of school and you're, you're you know actually in the market going for auditions and stuff yeah. did you find that there were um Genre projects or characters that you really could see yourself in, or you know, that you really related to and be like, could actually point to a specific character or an actor and say, like, that's I, I'd like to do what they're what he's doing.
1: As you know, as say, I, I was pretty much inspired by the people that I was seeing coming up from my environment because to me, like, it, it was people from the UK, like Amelia Meen, mm-hmm. like Idris Elba, mm-hmm. uh, like Noel Clark. People, that's the first for me, like Ashley Waters in in Bullet Boy, that was, these were the first, because acting was just so far removed from Mm. where we grew up. It was just, and it was in America, like, who's going to America? That's so far. (laughs) No one's going there. Like, who's got the money for that plane ticket? It's just a far, Mm -hmm. a far place. So the dreams and and the specifics, you know, were were quite distant, you know? And I wasn't even considering going for it. It was more just kind of like, that's over there and we're here until I started seeing these individuals coming from my place. I was like, mm-hmm. rah, like, that, that's what spanned, you know, that, that's what made the connect for me.
2: Makes sense. So tell me about the first time you remember watching Star Wars, the original trilogy. Or
0: any of the prequels. films.
1: Well, I, I came onto the prequels first. <laughs> okay.
0: Because um, you were born right before the prequels. Yeah, I was born in 1999
1: So I was 1999. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I, there was a lot of marketing around that, and I just remember getting a Darth Maul figure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was just mm-hmm. like, I didn't know who he was, but I liked what he was holding in his hand. <laughs> I saw from the previews he was swinging it, man. He was doing his thing, and you, know, as a, you know, as a kid, man, all you're all you're looking at is just imagery, spaceships, and you know, t- t- explosions, and that's all I was in it for. Then watched the prequels, and then got got more knowledge on it. I started to get into the video games a little bit more, mm-hmm. and then watch the originals.
0: Do you have any memories about? The first time like you saw like I mean did like Lando Calrissian or Mace Windu that did, did they were they distinctive to you in any, any way or were they just another part of the Star Wars ensemble they weren't distinctive to me at hmm.
1: to, to be honest like I, I just saw it I just saw all of them as just a part of a big massive universe and Samuel Jackson was obviously a star to everyone you know I it, it just I with Lando though I did think why well, they had one black guy in there. I wonder how he got the part. <laughs> yeah. At the time, like, yes. Like, hey. You know, like I, I, I was wondering, like, oh, wow, like, how did this? How did they get that one black guy in there, mate? Where you know he's talking with the lead characters. He's a cool, you know, he's not he's not used as kind of like the, the catalyst or the. He's guy.
0: Han's best a, friend.
1: Yeah, Han's yeah. you know best friend. And yeah. He's got, he's got wit. Um, I did think that. Mm-hmm. Like, that came to my head. But it's so funny that it's the opposite. It's kind of like, oh, how did he make it in? (laughs) You know, rather than I'm inspired, I'm like, how
2: did you get in? And I know you can't say all that much about uh, Rise of Skywalker yet, but do you have scenes with Billy D. Williams? Did you guys get to interact? What was that like? Yeah, we have great,
1: great scenes scenes with with Billy D. As we see in the trailer as well. He's around for a, a lot of that. That was cool. It was great to see what older Lando is like, a more mature Lando and a Lando that is settled in his, his views and who and what team he fights for, that's cool. But just seeing the same swag and the same spark that made everybody fall in love with Lando,
2: you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Seeing that Billy, I'm like, okay. Yeah. You can be you can be older, you can still rock it. <laughs> yeah. That's something that I've I've been inspired by. It's real, real cool.
0: Yeah. He's pretty quintessentially cool. Did did you did you end up asking him that question about like how he ended up in the original trilogy or what it was like for I him? I
1: didn't, I didn't. I never I never did, did didn't ever feel like the right moment to yeah. start,
0: you know. Why how'd you do that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think what's funny though know, cuz during Force Awakens everybody would be like, you know, did you did you go up to them and ask them questions about this? And did you take the you, right. like, you, you know we at work, right? <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> we can't. You we can't,
0: we don't we take your selfies listen, all day, yeah. You know, <laughs> but like <laughs>
1: there's some conduct things going on. Um, but maybe I'll ask him that during the press talk.
2: You'll have a chance, yeah. So when you were first auditioning for Star Wars, I read that you were considered for both Poe and Finn. Is that true?
1: No, oh, no, but no. That's no, not I'm true. Not just, it was always it, it was boy one.
2: Oh, okay. No names. It, no obviously. names. Boy uh-huh, one. Right. Maybe
1: that was but, uh, <laughs> And then, it. But it was always Finn. I always played the guy that was escaping from the place. Okay. Mm. So I was like, okay, cool. Obviously, this is the stormtrooper, man. You know. They tried to say, oh, it's about a guy. just He's escaping from a really big army. Big guy now. They wear you know. white
2: armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, okay. mm, very hard to guess. Um, but were you aware, sort of, that they were? I assume they were doing colorblind casting for all
1: these roles. Were you sort of aware? Yeah, I put of that? one of my one of my black friends up for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, my friend up for it. I, I had a camera, I we were actually working on projects with each other. I had a camera, and I, and I was reading the lines to him. Yeah. And at the time, I hadn't received the call for an audition yet. Wow. I was like, right, black people. <laughs> <Star Wars. laughs> You know, normally, you know, there's yeah. you know, slightly less seasoning with this. Like, they're really trying to. And it's a lead part too. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. A lot of my friends were going up for really in the actor world. Then black women were going up for it. That's when I'm mm. like, oh. <laughs> oh, it's getting real. I mean, they never gonna have two of us, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a new world. <laughs> that's
1: another obstacle to jump. But yeah. Yeah. it's getting real right now, you know. And that's when I felt like, oh, something's happening.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, now they have Naomi and, you know, oh, see, Rise of Skywalker. i are waiting to see how that works. That was nice. That was nice. I mean, and be in the movie at the same time. <laughs> you don't
2: necessarily have it's to be siblings.
1: No. we in the world.
2: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. There can be more than <laughs> one. Wow. Uh, your friend is not upset that you got the role over him, the one you helped That's audition. That's his
1: business, man. <laughs> That's his business, mate. You know what I mean? Weird. I, I didn't help with the audition tape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, so when the first teaser for force awakens dropped you know you your are f- the first face that people saw from a star wars movie in like yeah. a decade yeah. you know the helmet comes off yeah. and people were right stormtroopers are black some of them at yeah, least them, yeah. um there was a lot written about the added diversity in the cast particularly about you know Finn, and some of it was good, some of it was ignorant. Yeah. How much were you prepared for that, that particular reaction over race, over inclusion in Star Wars? I wasn't really
1: prepared at oh, all, to be honest with you. Um, I, didn't get, I, I didn't think that that would be the reaction at all. I didn't think that people would be like, "Oh, it's a black." I didn't think that people were going to mm-hmm. really um, fixate on it. Uh, what I found <laughs> funny was that racists were of hiding behind the notion that I was chosen just because of my skin color, uh, right? And that I didn't audition for mum, yeah, right, right, and that even if you think I'm on, I'd have zero talent, JJ did, and decided that I'd have to go through a process to prove it. So, you know, this is not the imagination, people, this is real life. You know, you can't just get chosen to be in a Star Wars film because <laughs> you're black. <bad. laughs> <Right. laughs> so, so, for me, that, that level of ignorance, I knew that that's, I was just like, wow, really, people are dumb, dumb, like, yeah, people really are you know, living in them dinosaur days in terms of the mentality and, and in, in forward thinking. Uh, once I realised that, I was kind of like, that's what makes the masses the masses, though. Mm-hmm. To be honest, that's mm-hmm. what makes the masses right. the masses. Right. Um, you take away the ability for, to think you know, practically and to have perspective. It, it just makes it, you know, that's that's just like how they'd like us to be, you know, right. the general public, right. which is not really forward thinking and not really aware once I was aware of that, I was kind of like, oh, you lot of babies! You know, whoever reacts like that, you're just a, you're just a baby in in, in the game, and, and just a a part of of, of the masses of ignorance." And yeah. I, I definitely don't want to be a part of that choir.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so for me, also knowing, I had friends that were going up for certain things and that had got certain parts, so I knew, mm-hmm. like, I knew there was a black panther coming. Mm-hmm.
0: Like I knew, you're friends with Letitia. Yeah, and you, like knew you I said, knew yeah, these
1: things will come in. So I was kind of like, you know, they're, they're a lot of projects are coming out that that now, uh, you know, are uh, uh, a lot of the opportunity for black actors. I was kind of like, you know, just kind of warn them, just get used to it, you know. <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs> and at the time you Instagram basically that, to whom it may concern, get used to it. Yeah, man. And I'm curious if, you know, because this Star Wars and sort of fanboy community is so... Vocal and active. Has your relationship with social media changed over time? Do you still approach it the same way when interacting with? The yeah, people?
1: I approach it the same. I I approach it the mm. same way. I'm so comfortable with my individuality at this point in my life. I mm-hmm. feel like I'm 83, and I don't. <laughs> like, I feel like I feel like that because I'm like, if any of us were put in my position, like if you were given the part to play, fit, if you were given the part to play, fit, regardless of who I am, even the people on the computers making the bad comments, if mm. that individual if Star Wars offered them that opportunity to play fit, those individuals would be judged for whoever they are, right, whatever right. they're doing in some way, <coughs> like, you know, fashion or form. And that's something that I've had to accept over, over, over the years. And, you know, with social media, you know, it's just so funny to me how factual people think they truly are. <laughs> you are dumb it, like, like, what you're talking about <laughs> makes no sense. like. I have people online that will give you and will tell you about your life and be like, no, 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 <laughs> this is what you did. You're like, you know, In actual real life, where you know, in reality, no, that's not the case. So in terms of that, it changes it, but it's just a mere realisation, I guess, for me, living as a normal person, then now living in this whole celebrity world, mm-hmm. knowing just like, oh, wow. So we were thinking that you know, this person was doing this and that person means this, and this is what they mean with this, right. thinking that we know these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We don't know a damn thing. Right. And we just here wasting our time, just debating shit that doesn't really do matter. Mm-hmm. That realisation, I was only able to have genuinely living in those two different positions. Mm-hmm. Because until Star Wars happened to me, you know, I'd be part of that
0: conversation. Yeah, you're not on the inside of the thing. I'm I'm not on
1: the inside, you know. I'm not part of the process. I'm like, you know, I'm hearing this about this individual. I'll be like, ooh, is it true? Blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, and then now being on the other side, I'm like, Oh, no, 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 Don't get involved in any of that. Social media should be used to express ourselves in a safe way and, and to have fun.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense. It gets pretty deep down the rabbit hole in yeah. some of those forums, <laughs> yeah. On the flip side of sort of fan interactions, what have been some of your more, most memorable ones or sort of responses that you've heard from people that have meant the most to you?
1: There was one guy um, that didn't like the movies. Mm. Like, mm. just hasn't, you know, hasn't been able to to get to grips with it. And I saw him, like, I was just doing a press event in New York and I was coming through the airport, and he kind of like, I was like, I just want to have a conversation with you. I just really, I don't really particularly like the movies, um, but I appreciate you guys, like you, Oscar and Daisy, and what mm. you guys have put into this Star Wars fandom. Like, he told me that his daughter loves the movies, mm. You know, he goes. Obviously, I'm going to debate with her when she grows up. It's like it <laughs> nice to even just enjoy Star Wars being around. You know, yeah. he said he did say a hint to himself that he's a bit much more into the novels. But um, for me, that's the first time I had interaction with a fan face to face. In which I was just kind of like, wow, I wish I could have this kind of conversation with everybody on socials. Mm-hmm, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I wish I could. it's a real Actually, conversation. Me, for yeah, it was face to face with somebody like I disagree like I really as a, just as a Star Wars fan obviously there might be bias because I'm in it but I well. Mm-hmm. I really liked Force Awakening, I really really did um, I think it was a great way to establish the story no. uh, but it's also nice and heartwarming for me to meet a fan who doesn't agree with me but yet we're still able to have quite a peaceful conversation in which I was kind of like yeah man actually you're cool and I appreciate you yeah. you stopping me what's
2: well, yeah. that level of respect it sounds like
1: I love it I, lo- I, yeah. I, I, I love that
0: yeah, civility. Well, I mean, speaking of like people's responses to the film, we have our very first listener-submitted question for the oh. podcast from listener Daniel Sun. He's wondering, what did you think of the direction that Ryan Johnson took with the Last Jedi? That was that's been the ongoing subject of a lot of conversation, and specifically yeah. with Finn.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, you know, I've been honest in saying certain parts disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily dig some of the de- decisions that were. That were made creatively. Yeah. I think a lot of it, some of it, was selfish on on my part too. Just, <laughs> but in general, all of us, me, Daisy, Oscar, because we just wanted to be with each other. Right. You know, yeah. You know, you go.
0: Yeah, you guys were separated people, in you know, the, yeah, the
1: separated yeah a little bit more. Yeah. And, yeah, and for Daisy specifically, I mean, she was like in the trenches, working the hardest. She I say hands down, Daisy works the hardest in this whole franchise. And stuff mm-hmm. the actors like she's doing a lot of her own stunts. She's training up for stuff, and then she's always. You know, we're in the resistance space with the resistance like you know we've got more of a on set whereas Daisy right. most of the time is by herself yeah. place somewhere you
0: know yeah yeah figure out house. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you know that's like a lot of set time by yourself it's just, you know, yeah. and she's always wet all the time yeah. so it's like you know that in itself was frustrating but what I was excited by was I, I, I liked the idea of Ryan having his own take on something that was was quite was quite important and 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 I liked I liked the idea of these characters being challenged and separated and stressed. Like everyone's just trying to get to each other. That excited me. But you know I will be honest in saying I, I think that they could have done better with mm-hmm. with Finn, especially with Finn and, and Rose. And you know mm-hmm. as a you know as a, as a black person you're gonna you're gonna feel a bit type of way. You're gonna be like absolutely. You lot knew everything to do with Ray and Kylo when it comes to you lot the story just wasn't hidden for me anyway, yeah. personally, with, with 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 Finn and, 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 and Rose, but, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed, you know, I didn't notice that on set, it's only when I watched, when mm-hmm. I watched it, right. but I enjoyed the experience of, of, of making it. Yeah.
2: And so when it comes to this trilogy and Finn, what are sort of your main priorities about the way he's portrayed? How do you get to weigh in on who he
1: is on screen? I guess, um, it's complicated in a way Because you know Marking himself as well Has been kind of honest about Yeah
2: <laughs> like,
1: like he wasn't feeling And I can't lie I was feeling the same way Because that's my boy Luke man, Come on yeah. man like My boy Luke yeah. needs to be about it <laughs> right. yeah. My boy Luke needs to come back And, and, and do some damage yeah. Do you know what I mean like, People want it Searching for this guy <laughs> We find him on the mountaintop <laughs>
0: right. Let's go Let's go Messiah
1: I wanted him to be Levitating a boat.
0: I wanted him to Be levitating
1: a like like, you know, ship just standing on top of it while it's floating. I, I wanted, <laughs> Amazing. I wanted the farm boy to have, you know, you know his, his big moment. And like Mark, for some of it, you need to just let that go. Mm-hmm. And for some, you realise you were right. You mm-hmm. were right, it would have been better with your idea, whatever it is. But for some, a lot of it, you didn't still realise as well that actually that's what's best for the story like mm-hmm. them, as, as a whole. And, and that, you, you know, it's easier to, to accept but for, for what you don't accept, you're always going to be a bit salty and thinking, oh, nah, you know what, man, yeah. they could have, they could have whipped that out. You know, I always wanted Finn to be force sensitive, you
0: know, I always mm-hmm. thought that. Yeah, oh, I really wanted it too. <laughs> I wanted it I wanted so it. bad. You know, I, yeah. I wanted
1: that and I, and I, and I did, you know, <laughs> just to to enhance the ensemble feel, I did want Finn and Ray to be. Side by side in, right. in, in battle, you know. Because how many times did that girl go and fight Kylo Ren? Leave her
0: alone. <laughs> no. He's her. so creepy. So creepy.
1: <laughs> leave her alone. <laughs> like, the way, leave
2: her alone. To me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, I always wanted to see that. But but, but you know what? He, he, I just wanted a strong Finn.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But in Force Awakens, I was cool with Finn being weak.
2: We've right? mm-hmm.
1: all been weak before. Yeah. And what frustrated me when people were like, "Oh, we just wanted to be strong and badass." I'm like. All those characters that you find strong and badass had a bloody freaking journey. Yeah. You know, Finn should be able to start to have that. Yeah. And also we have the opportunity of for me, who Finn is the most human character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. None of you online and none of you at home are running into uh, a, a battle, you know. Saying woohoo and just being right. oh, like, you know, even if you do that, you got to work up to that point. You know? you, yeah. You've got to have one character that's a bit like, you know, we need to think about it. <laughs> so,
0: I don't know about this. I, those, I yeah. loved
1: playing that. I just, for me, felt like if we're going to play him that week, give him an arc, give him, mm-hmm. give him a, a, a trajectory of, of, of strength because I, I get Poe's journey, mm-hmm. fighting for the resistance. Ray has the force to guide her. Finn so far, it's just been his mere motivation. You know, leaving the first order, mm. the story of a, a stormtrooper that that switches up, that changes. Oh, right. One like the first stormtrooper to kind of add personality to, to 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 what we've seen. We've seen them in kind of like mannequins. So
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, literally. Life, yeah.
1: Like, I feel like he deserved strength, and I think that that comes full circle in in, in episode nine.
0: Oh man, a lot of people will be looking forward to that. Yeah,
1: man, a lot of people, even my family, even my mom and dad, even my parents, be like, you know, like when they get late, You're like, because yeah. right. I'm, you know, I'm you not know, no small guy, like, I, right. you know, like, yeah. I I get down with the stunts. I think you could throw down. Block, you know, we threw down with some bravery there, and I think uh, seeing that side of things is going to be quite exciting for people.
0: It, it meant you mentioned earlier too, like, there's that added. Awareness that you are one of the few major Black protagonists who have been in the, you know, certainly in Star Wars, but also just more largely in sci-fi fantasy. You know, we've talked about this before: Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones. You know, and so how much do you does that sort of add to to your desire to have your characters represented in a really specific way?
1: It's big Mm -hmm. to the point where. You know, certain times I'd be on set, I'd be like, oh, you know, play play a bit more fear. And I'd be like, I'm not doing that. Or mm-hmm. doing that this take. but not doing that this take, it just doesn't make me feel comfortable that every single time <laughs> the people feel in fear just so happy to have hair that you can't get a comb through. Is mm-hmm. <laughs> it that they it is sometimes too um, Unnatural. We're not involved in the buzz of and the feel and the branding of what is the movies. Right. And so sometimes you're like, yeah, nah. I'm gonna put my foot down because, like, you know what? In this particular moment, especially in in episode nine, you know the shot that plays in the, in the, in a in a trailer. Yeah. Me and Naomi. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Like we would pick a, pick each other up and stuff. Like there'll be sometimes i will be like, no, like I know you're tired and we're cold as hell, but we need to get it. Like mm-hmm. this is. A black man and a black woman on yeah. horses with a cavalry, leading the charge in Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not any really black, but they haven't light skinned you and made you, you know, yes. a, a lighter skin black woman. They, yeah. You're a brown skinned woman with your afro hair out. Mm-hmm. We need to look like, make this look bad. This needs, to, this needs to look really, really cool and really sick. So, in those moments, like you're aware, you know, me and Naomi have very transparent conversations in terms mm. of that, mm. you know. Especially as black women now, during the franchise, you've got to be worried as to what the trolls are going to say to you.
0: Right, yeah.
1: And, you know, those are the conversations I would, I would have with Naomi, who has these natural feelings of like, okay, cool, it's new and it's fresh, and I'm stepping into a new world, but it's like, you got to have someone someone there to say, yo, you got this, and I don't know, not to be biased, nothing, but it's just facts, it just feels. So good when a black woman's there on
0: yeah.
1: yeah. baby. I got you. Like, mm-hmm. I got you, king. Like, let's get this and yeah. you just kill it. And, and that made me feel real cool.
0: That's awesome, man. It's, and again, that underscores the importance of why. Like, if you just have one, right. you it's like people more like than like one. This, right? Yeah, the
1: people that are passionate about the fact that their white world is, to them anyway, is dying. Mm. Yeah. That's because of the benefits that you get from representation. We <laughs> yeah, want people to talk you. to
0: you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yes. the same thing,
1: it's the same passion. It's the same feel, that same thing that makes you feel like, oh man, we've been enjoying these characters and yeah. they've been know <laughs> these are the characters we're used to. And that same feeling, oh, what makes you think the next human being doesn't want to feel like Literally. So for me, and 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 it's, it's getting rid of the lie that we can't all just enjoy you know, things with different people in. You know, yeah. sometimes I ain't gonna go see Henry VIII, mm-hmm. and everyone could be white in there. I'm not gonna be cool with that, it's yeah. Henry VIII. Yeah. But you know, in, in, in moments when we can expand, bring other people in, our talent here that do deserve the job, mm-hmm. but come from these, you know, from different places all over the world, it, it helps, especially move to this dying, this dying light of cinema. It helps bring it back and move and move it forward. Yeah, you know? I
2: think so. Yeah. Um, and you. Are- the other giant sci-fi project you were part of, F- Pacific Rim Uprising, yeah. you were mm-hmm. a producer on that yeah. as well. And I know you're now, you know, have a focus on producing other projects, even ones you're not a part of. Yeah. What, why did you want to produce as well and take on that sort of?
1: Because role? I noticed that the culture of people's real lives, like what people what people experience in their lives, like especially as creatives, is implemented into the decisions that you make for projects. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're yeah. a suburban area, all white, and you've never had that curiosity about the world and other cultures, you're probably going to write stories and the leads are going to be from where you're at. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is fine, right. you know, just for, so as long as we get the, the buffet of opportunities for then other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with my, my story, my perspective, I think a lot of the ideas that we're working on, a lot of the ideas and the collaborations that we're even having are unheard of. And mm-hmm in an industry where I've got, I've got kind of like double scoop, you know, I know what, what people are reading right now, you know, I get sent some stuff and
2: yeah.
1: to see the kind of ideas that like, sometimes are being established, they're quite samey, mm-hmm. because your experience is samey.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know,
1: your curiosity is, is samey, you know, you, you know, you're know, you not reaching out to worlds that you haven't explored. And for me, I, I never, I never want to get stuck in that, so with producing I'm able to. To utilize those skills because you know i went over to jamaica and had a good time and met somebody who told me a strange story that you know led me to an article or whatever that i want to get the ip for mm-hmm. you know or you know when i went to nigeria for, for for christmas you know i went to see my grandma she tells me a historical story you know about the nigerian riders of the north and i'm like you know what oh that would make a good movie yeah i find myself just being attracted to these ideas. Yeah. Like, Spider-Man is attracted to danger. It's like, I might mm-hmm. as well be a superhero then <laughs> if it's going to come to me like this. I might as well develop something. Um, so that's something that I've been doing. And the more and more I do, the more, I'm like, I love this, you know? And it's just to hear about certain things, like... Kathy Kennedy was George Lucas's assistant. Yeah. J.J. Abrams was, like, like worked on a Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. Spielberg yeah. movie when he was young. I'm like, come on, man, we need, we need to... We need to implement some of those, you know, those connections.
0: Apprenticeship, yeah, mentorship,
1: yeah. That, especially for the unity in the future of yeah. of what we would like to release and then obviously having ownership and control. So I'm very, very interested in that that side of things. Cool. I'm excited to see
2: what
0: comes out. Seriously, I think do you think that there's a growing like acceptance of like more of these sort of different storytellers and stories, is it happening kind of more on the audience side or from the sort of gatekeeper side or maybe both?
1: I think both. Yeah. Both. Um, I think some of the misconception is when people say I think in general human beings do one thing where sometimes we we don't know how to kind of take in the the complications and the details of the world mm-hmm. in yeah. stories. So we like to categorize it. Right. This versus this. And so we might like make it much more simple and you can see that in the culture of people going well if hollywood do this when hollywood make this, mm-hmm. like yeah who's hollywood right, right. who are you talking about hollywood are a mixture of people from high class to working class to, or a whole bunch of creatives and there are people that have those experiences the same experiences i, I mm-hmm. have, and who are in hollywood who are open to those to those stories to find them and to filter obviously that is, uh, is another journey but you know that there's a mixture, so I feel like on the industry side, obviously, if you if you connect with people who have that awareness, and by mm-hmm. the way, some of these people are white. Yeah.
0: People yeah, it's, are, like,
1: true. See, you know, it's see, true. You know, it's true. You know, I can't lie. It's just factual. I've met people and I've sat down and they go, look. Well, I funded this movie. I actually put my money in this film in this film, and this is what I want to make next. Are you game? Some people, these people, are white people, are saying this. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, for me, the complication and the confusion of that mixed with obviously. The, the audience—that it's, it's happening on on both sides—and and, but it's, it's all about what is done now and, and, and whether or not you know, the industry side that is going to come.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so, makes sense. Yeah. It's coming up.
1: No, it's coming. It's coming think. up for sure. So I speak to a lot of actors. You know, um, I'm like, yo, you, you need to produce. Like, you need, you need to get in and write something. And, you know, come into the office anytime and come visit us if you like Because I just want—I want, want people more people to create, then we won't have a lot of these discussions. Right. I'm not about to, you know, if I have children in this, life, in this lifetime, I don't want to have to, you know, have to say, well, you know, well, you know, this is why they don't have a lot of, you know, black mm-hmm. people on screen. I don't have to do that. I don't even want to have to have the conversation. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. To be Yeah. In order to do that, I think like, much more people in front of the screen have to then find you yeah. know, their, their way behind to help to aid that which
0: Exactly.
2: How exciting if that generation isn't shocked to see two people of colour in a movie and be like, oh, they can th- have more
1: than yeah. one. Yeah, but, I, you know, I, my, nep- my nephew's played with the thin figures. Thin mm-hmm. I just think it's cool to, to see that, you know. Yeah. But I also think it's even, even so, it is so dope and even even more cool when you see a white kid.
0: Right? Yes. Like yeah. So I'm
1: like, okay, cool. I see what this does. You know, it is a double is a, a, a double edged, edged, edged sword, but in a good way. Mm-hmm.
2: Which,
1: you know, on one side, some a kid feels that he has he's represented yeah. and can yeah. love this character because the character looks like me, but right. You know, and he's got hair like me. On the other side, what a kid can feel like I relate to this character, yeah. who probably isn't like me physically, but I still relate to him anyway. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. which is something that we kind of can kind of lose, you know, in, in the growth
0: of our And that's what we
2: need in real life. Oh, yeah. So that's oh, yeah, So that's, yeah. that's where it's really significant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we wrap up our podcast with two questions for yeah. you that we ask everyone. The first is called Hollywood Remix, and it's, um, what's a past example of a sci-fi film that you would love to revise or recast or see, redone maybe with a more diverse cast or... In it, oh, an old school oh, show oh. or film
1: you you'd love to see them. Oh, man, I should have I would have thought about <laughs> this deeply. <TV. laughs> like my mind is Cute. blank right
0: now. <laughs> we'll ask you the second one, and, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. then you, and then while that maybe that'll jog because the second one is related, but it's called the hidden gem, which was, which is, is there again a story? It could be a movie, TV show, or an anime or anything that highlights people of color in sci-fi that you would like to just recommend to your listeners that you know this is a hidden gem that people should more people should know about
1: i think the uh anime uh, afro samurai uh,
0: mm-hmm. afro samurai yeah. yeah yeah
1: really really good and obviously voiced by samuel L. jackson mm-hmm. really cool a good vibe yeah. people, <laughs> people should watch that um because it's weird it's a dystopian world it's just a mixture of cultures all in one i think that will be really really cool cool to see um, I just thought about it though. I would, and Attack the Block maybe was supposed to be this. Mm-hmm. To see E.T. with a bunch of black kids would be funny. I would oh,
0: know, like yeah. Making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, how yeah I mean, and how their parents would <laughs> yes, react. Yes, it would be I a wanna, different family.
1: I want to I wanna, I wanna see that, you know. I, hence why I'm, I'm doing project, preparing for a project now called They Clone Tyrone. Mm.
0: Know, yeah, the, I heard about that.
1: A secret organisation underneath the, the hood that are cloning black people, mm-hmm. uh, and I love I, just reading the scripts. It makes me laugh because there's just cultural, dis- like stereotypical, mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. But things that you know we just laugh at. It's just so funny. You'd be like, oh, man, that's some black people shit. That's, <laughs> that's something that we will do, mate. That's funny, and I and I love seeing that implemented in in say, something like a classic, like like eating. You know, one of those childhood yeah. stories where it's just young kids uh, but they're just really just talking shit just talking how they want to one of them has praise, another one has yeah. puffy hair and there's a Latino guy in there you know there's yeah. a guy you know a <laughs> from, from, from China that's just come to the country you know that would be that would be hilarious really
0: that would be I feel like that's where these nostalgic shows are going. I was just thinking about, like, Lucas from Stranger Things and oh, just yeah, about yeah. the see, fact see. that yeah. this is like a, a black kid in the 80s growing oh, up in yeah. Indiana who just loves Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, and see, I love that. That, that he he has always existed yeah, and now we exactly. see it on screen. Yeah, yeah. it's great. <laughs>
2: well, John, thank you so much for joining us. We really it. appreciate it. And for anyone who may not be paying attention, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker is out December 20th.
0: I'm sure you already have your tickets yes, because I if you don't, it's too, to late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> i
2: say,
1: uh, a big thank you to all the fans for supporting me, especially me and Daisy over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, pr- pr- Most of the Star Wars fans are just phenomenal and they've been... You know, through all the ups and through all the downs, they've just been consistent in their support. And I like to say big special thank you to you Like, that, you are dope.
0: So. That's awesome. Well, once you're part of the family, yeah. you're part of the family. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Thank you, John.
2: We just want to say a quick thanks again to John Boyega for joining us to talk all things Star Wars. In case you've been living under a rock, uh, The Rise of Skywalker is out December 20th. And be sure to tune in next
0: Wednesday for our season one finale of Hollywood Remixed when we sit down with Brooklyn Nine-Nine star Stephanie Beatriz and talk about Latinas, specifically LGBTQ Latinas on television. That episode
2: comes out Christmas Day. And be sure to check out our past episodes and subscribe to Hollywood Remixed on your favorite podcasting platform. Until then, live
0: long and prosper. Just kidding! I know that's from Star Trek. May the force be with you.